everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 87, Fiddlehead, recorded February 20th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're going to talk about a new technology that I was introduced to uh, a couple of weeks ago at TCEA and meet the founder of it, uh, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, Sean needs to tell you about his great love for AT&T. Yeah, uh, well... Uh I, today I am actually uh, coming to you via tethering on my phone, uh, and you know, not that that's some great new technology or anything, but there, there's a reason that I'm having to do this. So, uh, Mark, of course, I shared this with you before we uh, started recording the show, but uh, go to uh, – I've recently moved, and I go to AT&T's website, and they have a really great process for being able to sign up for new, new internet service with them, uh, kind of like you would expect, right? And, uh, kind of in that process, as you're placing your order, it get, it brings you up a, a little calendar and says, uh, you know, what day would you like your, your service to begin? And it gives you grayed out dates and then it gives you green, uh, highlighted dates. So, you know, I picked the first available green one, which was, uh, like the 17th. And then I go on through and I complete my order and, uh, I'm, I'm happy. Ah, the, you know, the process was nice and smooth, no problems. Then I get like my confirmation email and it tells me about how they're going to be sending me my router and, uh, and all that. And then it says for my service to start on the 27th, 10 days after the date that I had actually picked. So, uh, I was totally ticked off at that point. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, Mark, I don't know. Maybe you can explain this to me a little bit more. But from the date of my order to the date of my service beginning is like three weeks. Yeah, and all they got to do is send you a router and flip a switch in the knock. Right. That is all that because that's what I was thinking. They got it. All they have to do is flip a switch, you know, and of course send me the router. But uh, you know what it is? Here's what I think it is. That's how long it takes the billing department to get the account set up, and they're going to make sure that they can bill you before they actually serve you. Uh. That's probably it. You're right. I didn't think about that, but uh, yeah, so just very frustrating. And so uh, if any of you hear me dropping off or anything like that uh, during the course of the show, that's why, because I'm tethering to my uh, Motorola Atrix. I will say other than the uh, occasional lags and, and where you kind of slow down and sound like Forrest Gump, the actual quality is better than when you were had your Verizon files. They're not uh, uh, yeah. overcompensating for the uh, compression like they used to. I mean, when you were there on, on files, even with your bazillion megabit download, you sounded really bad coming to us over Skype. You sound better uh, now. So tethering maybe should be what you do from now on because it's cheap. We all know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's another one is, yeah, it, it's costing me uh, $10 a gig right now uh, to, to pull this off. But, uh, you know, I, not that I'm doing it all the time, but for the show, certainly I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. I don't know. I mean, Mark, you, any idea how long it takes me to run a gig doing audio like this? Um, gosh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't imagine. I would say this hour long Skype call couldn't be more than, a uh, maybe 10 or 20 megs. That, yeah, that's I, well. I was thinking uh, maybe even in the fifty range, but uh, th- okay. So I was I was kind of in the right right area then. So uh, yeah, it, and it is worth mentioning that right that it, it's funny that we're getting higher audio quality this way than we would over, over a Verizon FIOS line. Right. Right. 
Right. So, uh, and I'll, I'll be getting the, what the AT&T U-verse or whatever, which is, I, I guess, a similar service. So, uh, when I get switched over to that, we'll have to see what that uh, turns out being too. Um, but when I do have that, well, no, that'll be over. Uh, I, I was thinking, well, I could just, uh, you know, use my phone as a wireless hotspot, so to speak. But then I'd still be going through that same service. So never mind. <laughs> so, okay. Um, I, I wanted to mention something that I found this week that just, uh, I, we have talked about Google SketchUp a couple of times on this show. And uh, there's a tool that I'd never heard of called Maxwell uh, that renders Google SketchUp drawings. So you um, create anything in Google SketchUp, a landscape or a, a 3D CAD drawing or whatever. And then, uh, you Maxwell is a plugin that goes with it and you tell it to render the light source and you give it, this is this color and, and so forth. And the sun is over here and this lamp is over here. I'm not really sure how it all works out, but it renders the images and the link I have in the show notes are for a, a competition that uh, they did for the best design. And it's amazing. If you uh, click the link in the show notes and look at these, it's, it's very difficult to see that they're not, photos wow I mean, they look like somebody took a photo but these were all done in google wow. sketchup 3d modeled uh things that were created in google sketchup and rendered with this maxwell plugin and here's the best part it's free that is amazing you know i got i have a teacher i need to show this to uh she was hitting me up uh it was during the week of tcea and so she was asking me about uh the people that our district had down there if they were going to be able to look at any um of this kind of uh, architectural, uh, help me with the terminology, Mark. Um, AutoCAD? Of, yeah, of any kind of AutoCAD software. And uh, she was looking for something to work with her students. Uh, and I said, we're, we have, uh, we're Google School. And I, I kind of tried to point her in the direction of SketchUp. And she said, well, yeah, but can it, can it really do like landscapes? I don't want just line drawings. I want like landscapes and whether they can put trees and bushes and things and, and have it be somewhat realistic. Yeah. Uh, I need to show this to her because now, this, I mean, you're right. You can't hardly, you really have to look to see that these aren't actual photos. Yeah. Now the, the Maxwell thing is, is a four pay thing. If you use the free version, they put a little watermark in the corner. Uh, but if you want to do it for actual professional purposes and you don't want their watermark, you got to pay for it. But for a school like that, who would care about that watermark? So you got uh, Google right. SketchUp, which is a free tool with the Maxwell renderer, which is free, and you can create some amazing stuff. It, it's just mind-boggling uh -huh. what these people did. Yeah, that's that is impressive. Yeah, check it out. I <laughs> go to our show notes and check this out. That is amazing. Yeah, for the live viewers, I put the uh, link in our, our chat room as well. So um, a couple of other things that I just wanted to mention. Uh, just tonight, I watched, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but History has a new show called Full Metal Jousting. I heard about this. It I haven't is, seen it. It is the coolest thing ever. I don't know when it was on. I DVR'd it and was just watching it tonight. And they, it's, it's the modern uh, knight. I mean, they use uh, suits of armor using modern technology, and they're on horses, and they have lances, and they go knock each other off, and it's the coolest thing. They were uh, a guy knocked, uh, knocked two teeth out during a training run. So, I mean, this is, this is serious stuff. Uh, he had the full suit of armor in, and he, 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 uh, the, his opponent messed up and hit him in the head instead of the shoulder, and even through the plate armor on his face, he knocked two teeth out. 
So if you're in, if you like wrestling and and all those extreme sort of things, you're gonna like Full Metal Justin because it's guys wearing 80 pounds of armor on a 2,000 pound horse running at 20 miles an hour. It's the coolest thing ever. I could see this spreading. <laughs> yeah. I really could. You know, I heard about it and I was like, wow, we're going to have like uh, jousting leagues, you right. know, just kind of start springing up everywhere. <laughs> it was funny because cool. one of the several of the guys have done like, you know, like medieval times where they wherever they've jousted uh, for, you know, for show for years. But one of the guys they were talking to tonight said, you know, I, I've spent 15 years learning to fall off a horse, you know, because you, you, you take the hit and you fall off to make it look like you got knocked off. And now right. I'm actually getting knocked off the horse. <laughs> that has got to be uh, just bone jarring, too. I mean, you're running what horse probably at that at those kind of distances. You're probably going to still be doing like 20, 25 miles per hour or something right. like that. Yeah. And to have something just immediately stop you, <laughs> it, that's going to hurt regardless. Yeah. Even though you've got the big plate of armor and everything on and, and, uh, it's really cool because it's it's almost uh, steampunk, uh, but it's not. You know, steampunk is is something else. But it's 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 the the modern envisioning of what the armor they had then was. So it's like if they had right. the capacity to to with our manufacturing, you know, and with rivets and and bolts and and things like that. Like uh, they put their helmets on and hold it in with a cotter pin, which I don't know why that makes me laugh, but it does. Um, <laughs> But it's it's really cool. And another show that I've recently discovered, it's not new. It's uh, in its second season, uh, and it's a, a British show. But we I just recently got access to the Science Channel. And I don't know why this is on the Science Channel, but I'm glad it is. It's called An Idiot Abroad. Have you ever seen this show? No, I haven't you, even heard of it. If you have access to An Idiot Abroad, uh, you need to, to to find it. It's, it's these two guys who send a third guy. Uh, his name is Carl Pil- Pilkington, and he's like a serial moaner. He's Eeyore. He complains about everything, but okay. they're able to talk him into doing these crazy things. Uh, <laughs> and so the current uh, series is called The Bucket List. So they've got this list of like 100 things that most people want to do before they die, and he picks them, and they, of course, derail the whole thing. So like a recent episode <laughs> was he was going to go swim with the sharks in Australia, and he's like, yeah, I don't really care about swimming with the sharks, but Australia's cool. I'll go there. I'll take the free trip to Australia. So he gets there. He's on the boat. He's headed out, and they say, oh, yeah, well, we knew you weren't so excited about the, sh- uh, the dolphins, so instead you're swimming with sharks. <laughs> <laughs> And then, he, and then he whines, right? Yeah, and then he whines, and he's like, you know, he's but he goes through with it because I guess they, you know, if you don't do it, you don't eat kind of thing. You know, you don't get your money. And, and the right. guy is just hilarious. He's just a really funny uh, person, unintentionally funny. So check out An Idiot Abroad. You're not going to learn a dang thing, but, boy, are you going to laugh. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Mark, I got to tell you uh, – uh, uh, and I actually called into Everyday Linux and left a message, but uh, I, so it's probably somewhat evident. But I've been dipping my toe more and more into Linux lately, and uh, it's about so, time. Yeah, I know, and I, I tell you this because I know for the longest time you kept trying to like uh, coax me into it, and well, well, you know, why don't you dual boot that thing and uh, all that kind of stuff? And actually, I'm starting to do it now, so. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a child, you know, you can tell him to do something over and over, but then when you finally leave him alone, he finally does it. Right. Uh, so that's, but, uh, yeah, so I, uh, formatted a pen drive and put, uh, pen drive Linux on there and I have, uh, I have three distros on there right now. I have a puppy, uh, Linux mint 12, which I really like. And, um, 
uh, oh, what is the other one? Backtrack. Backtrack 5. Oh, that's a great uh, resource tool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's basically what I've been using it for is uh, it. I've been having quite a bit of uh, Wi-Fi problems on my campuses. And it's amazing what you can find out. I didn't know there was so much information available regarding like hotspots, you know, Wi-Fi hotspots and things like that. Because Windows doesn't show you any of that. And uh, so, yeah, I can just boot into this thing. And if I'm having a problem, and of course, uh, we use these we use these huge like arrays. They're they're made by Xerus and they have like uh, uh, six different radios on each one. And then we've got like eight of these things on every campus. So if you're having a problem with one, it can be, it, you know, I don't personally troubleshoot that. We have a guy who handles our wireless. Uh, that's his job. But it's hard for me to communicate to him wh- what the problem is. You know, it's this node and on this channel and things like that. And I, I can't really get that information out of Windows. So, yeah, I just boot into this thing and uh, I run a real quick, uh, what is it, arrow dump dash NG. And oh, I listen I, to you. Nice. Yeah, I can uh, I can watch, you know, see exactly what's happening on that campus. Why, you know, with uh, regards to the wireless and uh, then I can communicate that effectively to to our wireless guys. So, uh, so yeah, just thought you might be a little proud. My little boy's growing up. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then one last note before we bring on our guest is uh, I wanted to, just a little programming note. Uh, we have launched, it's not actually out yet, but we have recorded our first episode of a brand new podcast here on the Element OP Network. And it is uh, myself. And Steve Cherubino of the Podnuts uh, Network and Professor Messer of ProfessorMesser.com. And we get together each week and talk about podcasting. So it's uh, uh, the show is called The Art of Podcasting. The subtitle is Everything We Know and Some Things We Don't. So it's uh, we just get together and we talk about our, uh, our tips, our techniques, our, our uh, stupid things that we've done that maybe you could uh, avoid doing. So if you're interested in podcasting, looking to create a podcast, or just like that sort of uh, geek stuff about podcasting, check this one out. It's called the the Art of Linux uh, podcast. Uh, it will probably be hitting the Element Opie feeds in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we just recorded last Sunday night, uh, which yesterday as the, the day of this recording, uh, the first episode. I've got the logo artwork. I'm still looking to get some music licensed, and we've got to do the, the iTunes subscription. All that stuff takes a little while. So 10 days to two weeks, it should go up on the website. Uh, but if you if you can't wait, you can go to our Ustream channel, uh, which you can find on our website. Uh, just click the live stream, and from there you can go to our Ustream channel, and you can watch the uh, raw, unedited uh, show that we did uh, last night. So I, I highly recommend you check it out. I enjoyed it. I learned something. And uh, hopefully that's going to be what happens every week. We will entertain you and educate you all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And from uh, three great ones, I, I you know I personally think. So yeah, thank you. I, I think it's going to be really cool. Uh, you know the the Steve has four and a half years of, of experience doing this. Professor Messer has been doing video production, not podcasting, but video production for about three years. And uh, I'm uh, uh, just finishing up two years uh, doing this, heading into my third year. So uh, we've got uh, between us, you know, uh, thousands of episodes uh, of experience and mistakes that we've made that you can learn from. Yeah. And I mean, how often do we get that question too? I mean, it's maybe one of our most, uh, you know, oft asked questions is, you know, how do, how do I do what you guys are doing? Exactly. 
Okay, so, so without further ado, let's get on to our guest and bring on Dave Peterson, the Chief Technology Officer for CDI Computers, a company that uh, we have talked to and with here on this podcast before. I met Dave at the uh, TCEA uh, convention last uh, last week, two weeks ago, and um, Dave has this uh, uh, spiky-haired, wild-eyed, Doc Brown inventor look about him. Um, and, uh, I was fascinated by him, uh, the, as soon as I, you know, uh, he, he has this product that we'll, we'll talk about fiddlehead and, uh, the salespeople were trying to explain it to me and, and trying to explain to me why I should buy it. And, uh, they just weren't able to communicate on my level. And so finally, uh, Elaine, my representative just said, Hey, why don't you just go talk to the creator over there? Talk to the programmer and you can talk all geek stuff. And so that's how I met Dave and that's how he came to be with us today. So, Hey Dave, how's it going? Hey, pretty good, Mark. How are you doing today? Awesome, great. Uh, so, where where do you where do you live, Dave? Where are you? I'm in Syracuse, New York. Syracuse, New York. Okay. Yep. Yeah. A little bit uh, a little bit colder than Texas, huh? Um, I'm sure it is. It's uh, <laughs> it was what uh, like 65 degrees here today. So uh, uh, yeah, beautiful day today. <laughs> so I, well, excellent. Yeah, we had a beautiful day too, but it got up to maybe. 25. <laughs> <laughs> we, one of the co-hosts on our other shows uh, is from Montana. And he okay. says, you know, it's been an unseasonally warm we, uh, summer or winter here so far. Our, our highs have been all the way up into like minus 14. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't, we haven't had that. We are known in Syracuse for our snow. We typically get around 120 inches per year. This year has been a nothing year, they say, with only 40 some odd inches. Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah. I don't think I've seen 40 inches of snow in my life if you added them all up. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, a normal weekend for us is 40 inches. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Okay, well, uh, Dave, tell us about uh, first you. Let's talk about you, what you've done, and who you are, and then we'll talk a little bit about Fiddlehead. Okay, well, thanks. You know, most of my life has been working with schools. I've been doing this for... 25 years now. Um, I, I started working at, uh, for uh, for a company uh, that we, we made products work better uh, in the Citrix world. Uh, server-based computing uh, really had a an opportunity. It had the promise that they could turn one PC uh, into many. Uh, you'd have one server, you'd have a bunch of thin clients, you know, back to the old mainframe days. Uh, and my job was to help make the multimedia side of that work better as schools started using that, especially for schools. Uh, and over time, the, uh, the, uh, the product got better and better. It went through iteration after iteration. Uh, there was always uh, just one more thing that we could do. And this last thing that we've done is Fiddlehead. It really is the culmination of all that work. Uh, it, it gives you real PC performance. It gives you the ability to to do a lot of system management, and it does it um, in in a way that allows you to save money, like a like a server based computing environment. But it's not a thin client. Anyway, I've spent most of my time working with programmers, and uh, we've got several patents uh, that have come out of this, and uh, several products that have gone on to to bigger and better things. Uh, 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 you, you've heard of some of them out there. Can, um, are you allowed to drop that name? Can you tell us the product that you worked on, invented previously that everybody will have heard of? Uh, well, everybody has used in computing. So yes, yes uh, that, that product is a great, a great product. There's nothing wrong with that product when used in the right way. And it just, like I say, it's a, it's a, it's a, a great product for, for, for what it was designed to do. Just like 
thin clients, uh, Wise and Hewlett Packard and Hewlett, uh, Adele thin clients are great for what they're designed to use. Uh, and computing was that next iteration of the product. Uh, excellent product, um, but if it's not, it's not a real PC, and that's really what uh, that's really what Fiddlehead was designed to do. It gave you give exact PC performance. And, yeah. and anybody in education knows about in computing and the Extenda series of products, and they essentially give you a, a quasi terminal session, and you can have you know uh, two or four. Uh, sessions on a, a, a similar machine, and and what Fiddlehead does is it's the next step in that evolution. Um, right. Is that right? Yeah, that that's exactly right. Yep, it's uh, it doesn't use one operating system shared amongst two or four users. Uh, that, that's what that's what end computing and, and for that matter any thin client does. Right. It, it it it's actually a combination a combination between that and uh, virtual desktop technology, true desktop virtualization. So tell us uh, first off, where'd the name come from? Fiddlehead. Uh, yeah, you know that. You know it didn't come from me, Mark. I have to say that it's grown on me, and I love the uh, love the name now. Everyone remembers it. Fiddlehead came from our marketing department. You know, they. Uh, I sat in a, uh, a a number of sessions, interminably long. I cannot <laughs> stand sitting in these things. A session where they decided what we would use for uh, for the name. And you know, I wanted to call it, you know, uh, zero computer or you know something that 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 explains the name, but, but, uh, they didn't want to do that. So, so one, one time I just said, you know, I cannot stand this anymore. Why don't you call it green sky or Bluetooth or, and, uh, and it kind of like Bluetooth. Of course we didn't name it Bluetooth. Um, uh, we, uh, we, uh, Bluetooth doesn't really mean anything, but everyone remembers it. Right. So they came up with fiddlehead being from the Northeast and the marketing folks being from the Northeast, Fiddlehead is an emerging fern up here. It comes out in the spring. They are just nutty for it. They go out and get it and pick it and and pickle it and fry it and eat it. And uh, I guess it's a delicacy. I've never said can't say that I've ever had it. But being emergent and green and something that everyone can remember is what Fiddlehead is. Same sort of thing. So that's how they came out with that. See, that's interesting because I I didn't think the Fiddlehead fern. I thought the Fiddlehead crab. That's where I went. Ah, uh, huh. Well, and people have said the fiddlehead, you know, the part on the uh, right. on the fiddle on the violin. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, tell us now. Uh, so we we've talked about the uh, the previous iterations essentially, and is it fair to call uh, uh, in computing the previous iteration of of uh, fiddlehead? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. So so that was that was you know the grandfather, the legacy, uh, where you share a, a, an operating system and what. Uh, what Dave has come up with here, and and being a geek and an open source geek, I'm sure it'll come out here. He uses lots of open source, um, and as he was doing his presentation, I was pointing out, you know, all the open source components. I don't know if other people had the eye that I did for that. Yeah, they they did, Mark. Yep. Yeah, yeah I mean, not 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 many as much as as much as you, but uh, but uh, you know, we it's no secret that right. we use as much open source as we possibly can. And, you know, the, the show is called The Tightwad Tech. We're all about the free and the open source. And uh, what the, the Fiddlehead, it fits right in with our milieu in, in the sense that it's going to, to help you save save money a little bit. So uh, give us the 30,000-foot uh, 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 view of Fiddlehead. What does it do? How is it different than your competitors and your, your predecessors? Okay. okay. So, so like we've already said, the software component is really totally different. And the hardware component is different too. There is really no hardware component. So if you can imagine this, Mark, just think about a PC. 
if you load a, uh, uh, if you attach a, a keyboard and a monitor and mouse and you load Windows on it, you have a regular PC as you do today. What Fiddlehead does, it's almost a BIOS update. Uh, it, it, it can be loaded uh, in place of BIOS in the firmware in the EEPROM and it's a tiny Linux kernel uh, or it can be uh, uh, formatted or it can be loaded on the hard drive during formatting. This, this software component is a, it's, it's, it's not really a hypervisor like, uh, uh, like a VMware is or Zen XEN, not ZEN for you Novell fans out there, but it's a uh, more of a framework. It utilizes that Linux driver subset to uh, almost cradle or f frame the uh, the the guest operating system, which is what we're going to call. We're, we're going to we're going to load Windows. It, the uh, that uh, that software component and the way that it's set up allows your Windows operating system on that single keyboard, that single monitor, that single mouse to run on the bare metal, but it allows the 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 guest operating system to be given uh, uh, virtual video NIC and sound drivers. What that so means essentially is, what you've done is written a hypervisor. Uh, right. The the patent is actually <laughs> you're gonna think this is crazy, but the patent says it's a hypervisorless hypervisor. Okay. So so we're using that that host operating system, that Linux, not as an emulator or a virtualizer, but as a a hypervisorless hypervisor. It doesn't do anything except allow the guest operating system, Windows, to to get direct access for efficiency. So it, so it runs fast. It feels good. Now remember, we've got our keyboard, monitor, and mouse plugged directly into that PC, and so everything is runs almost like it's native because it is right now. The, the, the only thing we use that hypervisorless hypervisor, the fiddlehead for, is to give the Windows operating system a very, uh, a very uh, specific subset of video NIC sound drivers. That means that my guest operating system is very portable from an HP to a Dell, from a laptop to a desktop, from an old PC to a new PC. And, and those specific hardware components that you're talking about our audience will all recommend uh, recognize because they're the virtual box components right so right. the virtual box video card the virtual box network card so you can have an image a single image built on virtual box that deploys on any fiddlehead device because the hardware is going to be identical exactly exactly when you take a look at that guest operating system you're going to see and we used as much open source uh and uh, and high performance virtualized drivers as we could. We use Oracle product for, for that, uh, VirtualBox. We also use uh, uh, some of the open source Intel products for the for the sound driver. We use Intel for the NIC driver also. Those are the sort of things that we can do. When it comes to the real hardware, there's no real hardware. There's no thin client. There's no Extendabox, uh, no wise terminal. I'm plugging everything directly into the PC. And so, if you think about it, PCs, now here's where the next step comes in, Mark. The PCs are so darn powerful that if you've got a, a P, let's just say a P4, a GX620 uh, Optiplex that's five, six years old, that's perfect for a single head. Now, you may say, why are you talking single multiple head? Well, because if I have a, a, a dual core machine, a Core 2 Duo, it's powerful enough for me to plug in two keyboards, monitors, and mice. And I can then load two copies of the operating systems in those two hypervisorless hypervisors, the containers, if you will. 
and turn them on, and a user cannot tell that they that there's only one CPU under the desk. Same thing happens with the quad core, but with four users. So if you've got an AMD quad core or a Core i7 uh, Intel, you can run. Um, it's essentially if your machine could run four instances of VirtualBox, it can run four instances of Fiddlehead. Right, right. That's a good way to look at it. Or for for for. Uh, uh, four instances of VMware or four instances of KVM. Exactly right. Now, the thing is, because it's that hypervisorless hypervisor, it's extremely efficient. Uh, you may not be able to run four instances of VMware or VirtualBox and because it, it would feel bad. Ours will still feel good. We're substantial. There's, we have just a couple percent of overhead. Now, one of the things that uh, you and I talked about was uh, your man memory management is a little more aggressive than some of the others in that you can't overload your memory. Uh, you know, for example, with VMware, you could put 16 megs worth of uh, gigs worth of VM memory in a, a machine with only eight gigs of RAM, and it'll handle that. Yours, however, directly parses out X amount of RAM. So if you say this needs two gigs, it gets exactly two gigs and always two gigs, right? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, the, the, the last thing we want to do, especially in a school environment, is make it so that... Uh, Two kids get on and they use up all the RAM and then two more kids try to get on and their machines just feel really poor. So we, uh, we, we make it so that it will always, it, it, it may not be as efficient as it possibly could. If, for instance, if you, if you only had one person on there and three heads were not being used, well, those three heads are just not going to be used. So it may so so in that sense it may not be as efficient as it possibly could be but in reality the last thing you want is for one kid to get on suck up all the ram and the other kids are, are upset. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I I, I want to jump in here because I I'm getting I'm getting all of that for the most part I'm not nearly as geeky as Mark is but um <laughs> I'm trying to envision how exactly you're using this in an educational environment is it like an in computing uh like a device or uh, you know if you have all these instances of windows running on a machine how are you parsing that out to the students well once you put once you put the let, okay so so think about this for a second i have a quad core pc right or a core i7 i put in our kit comes with an extra couple video cards depending on how many heads you're going to put on so so let's say you're going to do a forehead you're going to put two two-headed video cards in the in the pc does that make sense okay. so far Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're going to plug in four mo uh, keyboards. Or, or, I'm sorry, four monitors into there. You're going to plug in four keyboards. They're going to be USB. You're going to plug in four uh, mice. They're also USB. So you understand how you can do that, right? I mean, if if sure. you have to, our kit comes with a couple of extra USB hubs, and and once you load our software, our software uh, says it it knows what to do, and it it understands that there are two or four. Uh, keyboards, four monitors, and four mice. And it says, ah, this person must want to load four sets of Windows. Windows 7, you could load Windows XP on two heads and Windows 7 on two other heads, or Linux on one and, and even Hackintosh on a second and Windows 7 on a third and Windows XP on a fourth. Once it does that, the, the system just knows what to do. So you turn it on, you've loaded those operating systems, whether they're all different or all the same, they're, they 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 are not the same instance. That makes sense. They're not. I've loaded or cloned in four copies of my operating system. Yeah, you're not sharing the OS uh, no, like you would in an Extendus series right. system. You're, 
Right, exactly. You're not sharing that at all. So when the when the machine turns on, I get four Windows screens. You know the the Windows screen that says you know hit Control Alt Delete to log in. I got to log in four times. Uh, when I get done with a session on one head, when I click log off or shut down, it doesn't lo it does it logs it it logs off or shuts down my session only, my VM, my virtual machine only. Doesn't touch the other three. And now uh, also. What, something you didn't mention in your setup there, but that you showed me at the show, was uh, you said it comes with a couple of USB hubs, but those USB hubs are, are special in that they have sound cards in them. They're USB sound cards as well. So um, you're, the machine has full-on uh, multimedia both ways on all two or four systems, right? Yeah, exactly right. So, so everything I just told you about... Uh, I handle keyboards, we handle mice, we handle monitors, but uh, how, how do you handle for, for the need for four headsets or four microphones? Well, we handle it by just providing like just exactly what you said, Mark, there, this little, this little USB hub. It's not a thin client device. It's not even powered. This little tiny hub that has the 3.5 millimeter USB adapters built into them and so the system also sees those when it boots up and says, ah, I see four, four sets of USB whatnots, and I'm going to map them to the proper set of keyboards, monitors, and mice. You're basically adding on uh, little bits of hardware, to, uh, which kind of sounded to me uh, is kind of interesting, but almost like a KVM, you know, where you're adding on monitors and keyboards and mice and other peripherals that you need uh, to be able to access those different instances of the OS. Yeah, but it's in reverse. It's a KVM in reverse. Right. It's a and it's, VKM. And it's, all, and it's all software based, except for the just the just the need for some US some US if I have enough USB holes in the back of my PC and I don't need sound, I don't need any any hardware at all. It, well except the special video or extra video cards. Yes, yes, exactly. If I a lot of a lot of PCs come with an extra video card, so you don't even need that if right. if it comes with it already. Okay, so you you have been uh, bought and indentured by CDI. They now own <laughs> you, lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah, uh, and so they are the the sole distributors of this. And so uh, the the logical place where this would go, and and for those of you who don't remember when we had uh, CDI on the. Uh, uh, show before uh, they deal with uh, refurb computers, uh, primarily uh, Dell is their their big thing, but they have other models. So the idea here is that they can sell you um, not only now refurbs, but refurbs pre-set up with Fiddlehead. So uh, essentially, uh, let's say in, there aren't a lot of uh, quad core refurbs out there just yet. So let's let's kind of take that off the table for at least the next couple of years, and say so you get uh, a pretty good. A quality dual core machine, they sell it to you pre-set up with Fiddlehead, and we're not going to get into the numbers because I'm sure that's a fluid thing in terms of pricing. But roughly the numbers that they quoted me, and and the the rough math is every second computer cost you like forty percent. So uh, you get uh, um, you buy ten computers for a lab, that's actually twenty computers in your lab, and it's like having paid for fifteen computers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And then the you know the real cost savings if I don't if I'm not jumping too much ahead, it comes down the road because you own this. It's not like Microsoft licensing where it sticks with the PC. You own this software. Although uh, certainly there's uh you know maintenance contracts that you can continue on with, but once once you buy it, you own it. And so the real cost savings comes three years, five years down the road when it's time to replace that those 
10 of those 20 PCs, you're only going to, you know, you're not going to have to replace 20. You're only going to have to replace 10. Right. And if you get the new quad core stuff, those 10 could become 20 or 40. 40. So, Ex yeah, exactly. And, and really some, you know, some of the, the future that we're looking uh, towards on this is uh, server-based versions of this. So, so over ethernet, it will be, uh, it will be over ethernet cables, but it's right. not going to be over IP. It'll be using the home runs to extend the video keyboard and mouse over, you know, a hundred meters. So, so you won't have a, you won't have servers, uh, you won't have servers that are sitting at the district office and, and thin clients, if you will, boxes sitting at the schools, but you'll have, uh, you'll, ha you'll, you'll have servers, uh, that'll handle 48. That's what we've prototypically built, uh, sitting in the MDF or the, uh, the, uh, the IDFs. As so one per hallway or something. Yeah. Like that. One per hallway. Exactly. Right. Wow. That's yeah. exciting. I, I look forward to hearing about that. Right. And you know, the real, what's, what's really exciting, uh, it, that's certainly exciting. It's going to change the world, we think, in the way, you know, I can see Cisco, uh, providing routers that will be different types of routers. Cause if, if you're using the Cat5 cabling to, to push video keyboard and mouse and not network anymore, uh, then, the, then all of a sudden you won't be needing to put switches and hubs and routers all over the, the, the hallways. You'll be a uh, Cisco will be will be providing that video extension capability. Uh, the the thing that I found is interesting is that more schools are purchasing this because of their ability to put this on every PC, not just the ones that are going to turn into multi-seat like we've been talking, but they're because it's you're truly in this easy virtualization world. You can use web uh, a, a web-enabled console to uh, manage uh, a lab of PCs. Not only can you manage a lab of PCs, but you could manage a whole school or whole district simply by uh, clicking a button saying, I want to turn off all the PCs. I want to clone all the PCs. And because of the hardware agnostic capability, that is one image will fit on any machine, I can say, I don't even care what kind of PCs I have in Anderson Elementary. I don't care if they're different down the hall from what we got here at the middle school. Uh, I can clone all of them. I can turn them all on. I can turn them all off. I can lock them. There's just a lot of features that virtualization allows you to do. Because your Linux kernel handles that hardware abstraction, it knows what computer's on. The uh, The client OS doesn't have to. It just sees a VirtualBox client, essentially. It, it, exactly. It has no earthly idea. It's not like when you add Deep Freeze or, or the Alteris client or or uh, school view or vision or, or any of those locking slash cloning slash, and they're all different products. You know that, right? right. Th this is all one product. Once you get the fiddlehead kernel underneath the operating system, not only does the operating system not know anything about it, the students don't know anything about it, but, but you can, uh, in a unified manner, control just everything. Now, and, co correct me if I'm wrong here, but as I understood it, from your web console that you've got built in, your management console, that is aware of all your fiddlehead installations. You can say, I want to move this virtual disk, this this uh, virtual instance of a machine from this computer and deploy it over here and essentially clone or back up or move somebody without actually having to physically move. So if Mrs. Johnson moves from room 101 to room 115, you can simply move her computer with her uh, via the fiddlehead web interface. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. It's simple. I don't remember if I showed it to you, but it's awfully fast too, because you're not cloning a whole, uh, a whole uh, uh, hard drive. 
you're only cloning what is a flat file, a VDI file. And so, you know, you could literally do it. It's, it's network-based. So, you know, if you have a, a network that's busy, it's, it'll take longer. But once you get this thing set up, you can do it in, in, in seconds. It's, it's amazingly fast. Now, Dave, is there any limit to how much uh, hard drive space you can allocate to a virtual machine? So if I've got a, 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 the physical box, the, the one that has the fiddlehead uh, client on it, has a 100 gig drive. So do I give everybody 25 gigs or is there some overhead there or can I only go certain size? How does that work? Well, be, because the v, the VDI is expandable, you wouldn't want, and, and because you can put more than one image on a box, now remember those images are just flat files. They're just sitting there in a, in a somewhat, they're not compressed, that's not the right word to use, but they're, as flat files, they just sit there, kind of like a dot, uh, a dot, Excel, you know, dot .xls document or a dot .doc document. So if I've got a 100 gig hard drive and four users sitting on that, um, I, I would probably set each image to be somewhat larger than the size that you would need, mainly because I want to have extra images on there. Um, and they, they just expand in a, in a uh, as-needed fashion. Okay, so assuming your Windows installation needs 20 gigs, and you want to give them, you know, a five gigs of data, you could easily set them up 25 gigs. But if you needed more, it can expand. And if you need less, you don't have to use it all. Right? Yeah, exactly right. And so and it, like, like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, okay. uh, like VirtualBox, you set it to go no larger than 25 gigs, but it starts at zero and grows as it needs to. Right. That's right. It's dynamically expanding. Exactly. In fact, we use that component, exactly that component of VirtualBox to do that. So now your example of uh, having a hundred gig hard drive for four users, probably if, if it were me, I wouldn't probably put four users on a hundred gigs. Uh, I, I'd have a two fifty gig hard drive or something. Right. They're they're awfully cheap, but yeah, that's yeah. For that's a that was a I picked a hundred because it was a nice round number, not because <laughs> yeah, it was easy realistic. to divide. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now. <laughs> you get me excited about this because this is such a cool thing. So we haven't been following anywhere near uh, the notes at all. It's uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so um, talk about some of those other uh, management abilities that we've talked about. Now, uh, cloning, we, we talked about moving. You mentioned cloning. Uh, what else can I do from this uh, uh, central console? And is that central console something I have to access at only one location or can I access it anywhere? Yeah, you can access it anywhere. That's uh, the the thing about virtualization is virtu virtualization. The problem with virtualization is it's kind of tough. I mean, server virtualization is comparatively easy. Desktop virtualization gets hard. Fiddlehead on because it it is true what we call true desktop virtualization. It's really simple. So I just want to say that once it's on though and 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 completely loaded. It allows you to do just really cool things that, that any type of virtualization allows you. Uh, and, and it allows you to do things that other products may allow you to do. We mentioned Alteris or Ghost. We mentioned Deep Freeze when it comes to locking. We mentioned um, uh, Vision or uh, Net Support, that sort of thing. So, uh, uh, but uh, the, the, unfortunately, those are all components that are 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 different companies they're different consoles and typically 
as we were interviewing people as we built this, our success criteria, it became very apparent that these other companies all are are loaded on a server and you got to be sitting at that server. You got to be connected to it via RDP or something like that. When we built ours, we said, you know what? We're going to use this standard virtualization format, this VDI format, and that will allow us to do things. And that's what I tell people. We can do things. And via a, a, a web console, just a web-based browser, I can build a hierarchy. That's how I'd start. And I would see, quote unquote, all of my PCs in my district. I'd see at least a hierarchy of them. Once I could do that, then I could, I could effectively, in a group-wise fashion, do those things. I mentioned cloning. Uh, I mentioned locking. I mentioned uh, the ability to deliver and make virtual CDs so I could have a Reader Rabbit CD that I could deliver to everything by clicking one button. Same thing happens when it comes to uh, starting and turning off PCs. Uh, inventory management is, is a breeze with this. That's, that's really what Fiddlehead desktop virtualization allows. So do you have a, a component in there for like delivering MSIs or installing packages of software that way? Yeah, that's, you know... I was that's wondering. The, yeah, that's the, that's the next step. We don't, at this point, we've got the component that will allow us, I'm, I'm telling you a little bit about what's under the skirts here, but um, the, 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 one of the very next components, it'll be out by this summer, for those of you interested in this, uh, we've already built the tunnel, if you will, from the host to the guest side. We've already built the delivery system from the enterprise control panel server to the host. That means that I can simply drag and drop an MSI uh, or an application into a, 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 I can suck it from a clone or a golden image or a golden MSI box and I can apply it to a, a PC, <coughs> excuse me, or a group of PCs, a school, a district, and it just, just like magic, uh, it will, uh, it will deliver and install those MSIs. So, but it's, it today doesn't happen. By this summer, it will. I'm a cheap son of a gun, and I would pay for that. <laughs> well, you know, you you bring up price. When they asked what this was worth, when CDI bought this and said, what do you think we should sell it for? I said, well, let's look at two things. I'm a huge open source fan, uh, and most of this stuff, you can get yourself open source. You can figure it out yourself. If you got the time, you know, you can do it. Now, that being said, I don't see a lot of people doing this. They, they you know, they they dabble in a little of this and a little of that, just trying to put out the fires they can. Um, but so, so I understand, we understand what's out there. We also understand that what's, what, what's out there and what the value of it is. So it comes down to, you know, to get all the components of Fiddlehead, it's, you know, say a hundred bucks a seat. And I, I just said, nobody will pay that. So they came up with a price and the, the highest price is, uh, in the lowest quantity is $30 a seat for this. And, um, so it, it isn't free, but it's just next to free. Well, uh, plus the, uh, hardware component, you got to have the extra hard drive and your USB sound card hub thing. Right, so. right. Yeah. There's a, there, there is that we, we do provide a, a kit that's an extra cost if you want to turn it into multiple PCs. And that's just for that extra video card and that little device. And, uh, and, only, and, and realistically, those components could be sourced elsewhere, but there's a real need to make sure that it's, that, that it has the, you know, the right video 
and uh, drivers and whatnot. If it doesn't, we just have too much. Uh, we don't have the resource to keep up with everybody in the world. Right. Now, um, uh, go ahead, John. <laughs> well, uh, Dave, I, I just had a question. Uh, and, of course, we love uh, CDI computers. But uh, so let's just say I've got, uh, I don't know, 20 computers laying around that I want to repurpose. Can I use, do, do I use my own hardware? Or do I have to purchase those computers as well through CDI? Yeah. No, no, you don't. Yeah, that's a great question. You don't. Um, CDI, of course, wants to have you buy some some uh, refurbished PCs. They're 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 great at it. Uh, you know you know about the uh, the warranties and the cost. It's just amazing. I when they were interested in purchasing us, I I was a little skeptical about a, uh, a you know a company that did refurbs, but it's amazing what they can do, especially with the fact that these things are coming off lease. You know, like a year and a half old. And so you're, yeah. you're buying these things. You're buying them brand new at twice, you know, two or three times. There's my plug for that. So, but that being said, uh, there's lots of schools that aren't going to buy refurbished, whether they it's for a good purpose or a reason or not. They're not. So we we make this so that it'll work on any any PC in essence. So okay, that doesn't have to come from CDI. Uh, just uh, if your overlords at CDI are listening, I too am for sale and can be bought <laughs> uh, if you're so interested. Uh, but uh the question i had when we were talking about uh uh cloning and locking and those sort of things do you have any sort of scheduling built in that do, can i reclone a machine every night at five o'clock and not have to pay for my deep freeze anymore yeah so there's a there's a page that looks just it's the hierarchy page you click on a hierarchy page and then you can do things whether you clone or you make a virtual cd or you lock or you can click on the make a schedule button. When you click on the make a schedule button, a timeline appears. And then you can simply drag and drop the actions onto the timeline when you want them to happen. Those actions are locking, unlocking, shutting down, cloning, um, going into maintenance mode, uh, transfer in an update, those sort of things. And, and you and can you set can, those as recurring? You can set, you know... Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then add another timeline for this group of PCs, and and you can just and then and you'd save that you'd save that schedule then as a uh, uh, you know uh, uh, second quarter or 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 first semester or summertime uh, schedule, and then and then when you when you're ready to change, you just simply drag and drop that schedule. Which is, you know, almost like an looks like an MSI or it looks like a clone image, but it's a schedule. You drag and drop that onto a group of PCs or a cluster or a school or a district, and then it uh, it it follows that schedule. Yeah, Dave, you you should be glad that we you didn't tell me this in in Austin because I would have kissed you full on the mouth. Um, <laughs> the, you, you, I'm I'm quietly weeping. Um, <laughs> the the ability to. Uh, I mean, we all do imaging. I'm, everybody in schools does that every summer. So yeah. now what you're telling me is I have one hardware set to set for, the right. uh, the Fiddlehead hardware set. I build my image and tell it, okay, on Tuesday afternoon at 4.30, image all of these things, and when I come back um, Wednesday morning, it's done. Right. And then if it, it didn't work... And, you know, uh, if I, I forgot something, I left it out, I just build a new image and throw it out again. And so instead of having to have my machine, machines locked down with deep freeze or something like that, I can simply have it every day at noon and again at 4 o'clock. So when they're at lunch and then when they go home, I can have them re-image. And because you said it only takes a few seconds, uh, it, can, it can be done. 
Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, because because those VDIs sit on there. Now you can you can certainly push them out like you're saying. It just takes a, a shorter amount of time. Or you can can say, you know what? I got a morning image and I got an afternoon image. I got a adult ed image and I've got a K3 image for the mort for the daytime. Uh, literally set that schedule to to switch from one VDI to the other, and and you can do it in seconds. And so if if Mrs. Johnson's class needs software that uh, say we only have a hundred licenses total, but we need it over 300 machines at different times, but we never need more than a hundred. We can just yep. move that thing around throughout the day or throughout the it, week. It's perfect. It's perfectly, it's designed specifically for that, for concurrent licensing. You know, you still gotta, you still have to uh, manage your licenses properly. You can't, it's not a way to cheat on licenses. Everybody understands that it's designed for you to better use those licenses though. Yeah. I, I got a question, Dave, uh, yeah. because I'm thinking about all this, and that all sounds so cool. But uh, the next question that comes to mind for me is, what if it breaks? I mean, you know, technology is always going to fail. So if I have a problem, uh, what are my support options in that in that case? Okay. Well, you know, C CDI is known for their for their warranty capability. They typically provide, I don't remember the number now, I think it's something like 4% overage for PCs just right out of the box. You buy 100 PCs, they send you 104. And, and they've got a group of guys, we just recently trained them, there's five, four or five of them uh, inside that all they do is handle, you know, ha handle, cust uh, handle uh, uh, support calls. And then we've got some outside guys that, uh, on a contractual basis can set them up and, 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 uh, train and that sort of thing. Now, when it comes down to uh, a PC that breaks, the nice thing about it is that with uh, fiddlehead, you have a couple PCs with fiddlehead, uh, fiddlehead, uh, that are fiddlehead ready. You've already loaded the software on there, the, the hypervisorless hypervisor. And when one breaks, you literally, uh, plug the new one in even if it has no windows on it and within a minute two minutes five minutes what you know depending on that size of that image the very first time uh you've got uh you've got one ready to go so there's so, so tell me how as an enterprising young student what could i do to break fiddlehead how, how can i what access do i have to that kernel you have no access to that kernel the only access to that kernel, there uh, is through uh, a password protected, uh, and you know what? I guess I should never say never. These kids are very <laughs> enterprising, uh, but unlike unlike um, any product that's loaded inside of Windows, which is what every other product in the world is, you do not see that and cannot get to it from within Windows. You could potentially, if you had the password, this, uh, that, that's what you guys are in charge of keeping. Uh, control of if you had that password you could get into it but uh does the i know linux kernels are not known for handling things like uh sudden power outages and things like that have you hardened that in your in your uh hypervisorless hypervisor right right we all we our our uh, our control kernel is a, a a tiny embedded linux control kernel designed for basically two things one is those those video nick and sound drivers we told you about and the other thing is to uh to uh, to to give a directory structure in which we can hold and do other cool things like uh lock or clone and whatnot and we've really really hardened the uh the kernel to be able to handle 
any uh, any power outages. Sean, did you have a question? Uh, no, okay. no, that's uh, yeah. I, I think I've got all mine out. <laughs> yeah, another 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 nice thing about the fact that we've got that control kernel under there is that <clears throat> we I call it a babysitter. Really, that's what it is. Nobody knows it's there. The Windows Windows doesn't even know it's there. It just thinks it's sitting on a a, a different type of machine. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't even care or know that that babysitter's there. But the nice thing about that babysitter is that it's really easy to get uh, inventory control. Uh, I can run inventory control every time I t that the machine turns on or we can send out a, uh, a, uh, 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 a command that says, hey, tell me everything about this machine. And that, that's one part of the Linux control kernel we left in there was that ability to run uh, what's called DMI decode. And that will tell us everything about the hardware and we can also query internally the software and so running a inventory control uh, report is really easy. Well, that seems like that would be kind of part of its natural process anyways, right? I mean, as it gets up and going, it has to identify what it's running on, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so I know I can, I can, I can run a report and I can say, okay, you got 400 Core 2 Duos out there. You got, I mean, I, I even know what brand they are because in the BIOS, it tells me it's a Dell. It tells me what form factor it is. It tells me, I really can't, I, I could I could use it for asset recovery. Uh, we haven't built that component in. When I say asset recovery, to uh, to be able to turn the darn thing off once it leaves the network. Uh, it's just it's it's got that Linux control kernel in it. I can write any kind of any kind of thing I want. Uh, so any ideas from uh, tech folks out there at schools? That's my job is to hear and listen and come up with uh, uh, ways to make those ideas implementable. Now, we talked a little bit about licensing when I was there, and uh, you explained to me that the system dials home periodically, that kernel, to check to make sure that you're in compliance with the number of licenses you have. Uh, and so if you try to over-deploy it, I'm guessing it just won't power up, or, or what happens well, there? Well, yeah, you, when, you, uh, when you build a machine... If I accidentally go over yeah, my it, number of licenses. <laughs> you can't accidentally go over your number of licenses because you buy 300 licenses, there's a license server, it goes out there and says, uh, okay, you, you just, you just uh, deployed 10 machines, they're going to suck 10, 10 off of the three, 300, you're down to 290. Uh, once you get to your 300, it's going gonna, it's gonna to phone home and say, I'm sorry, I don't have any licenses. Here's the number to our uh, sales guys. You want to now when when it's time to replace a PC because uh, a mother well a, a hard drive broke or something like that it it actually looks at the at the motherboard so as long as you're not replacing a motherboard you can you know replace as many broken hard drives as you want once a motherboard breaks you, you don't have to buy another license you just you'll talk to your CDI folks and say hey I had to replace five machines this month and and they'll give you five more licenses and revoke your other ones after the new ones come online. Uh, Dave, speaking of uh, licensing, uh, do I is there a way for me to manage my other software licensing? So, like, if I have a hundred licenses of FastMath, am I able to manage that within that console? Well, you you can't manage it. Uh, you know how many there are. I can I can sort my assets, my software at your your software assets. 
you can sort your software assets to show you that you've got a hundred uh, fast maths. You can see how much they've been used. You can uh, uh, know what machines, uh, you know, what labs they're in and whatnot. Uh, you know, that's that's as far as that management goes, though. Oh yeah, well, and that's that's usually what you're looking for, anyways. You know, because when you're looking to deploy it uh, yet again, you got to have somewhere to look at and say, well, I'm using eighty right now, and so yep. I know I have twenty more. Right, and that's what it was designed to do. Yep, exactly. All right. Uh, You've been on for nearly 45 minutes now, which I think may be the longest interview we've ever done. Uh, (laughs) And I feel like we've just scratched the surface, really. Um, Where could we go to get more information about Fiddlehead? Okay, yeah. it's uh, uh, You'd go to the website, uh, cdicomputers.com. They have uh, uh, a bunch of... uh, uh, collateral and in, in, including free demos that they're uh, uh, you're able to get now and uh, everything from the software I think this uh, next week the software will be downloadable the uh, you can you can uh, get free 60 day I think uh, I think they're 60 day demo machines actually they'll send them to you uh, so go to cdicomputers.com for that yeah when I first heard about this and I first talked to you I was under the impression that that uh, $30 per seat and uh, understand that if you've got a four head machine, that's four seats. So you're paying $30 four times, right? Uh, no, actually not. You know, I, I think I told you that that's not the case. You pay $30 once. If you want a four headed machine and I'm going to be a little loose on the price, I'm not exactly sure. I know you'll pay no more than $30 once for the host machine. Then you're going to need to buy the, the four headed kit that's the the video cards and the hubs and the cubes that we spoke of, and that I believe is two fifty nine. So that's your price thirty bucks plus two fifty nine. Okay. So it's less than what you and I were talking about. Okay, but if I if I want to in, 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 excuse me if I want to deploy this on existing hardware that I'm not actually interested in making multiple machines, I just want your management and all those great features. That's thirty bucks per seat. That is thirty right. bucks per seat. Now, yep. Initially, when I spoke to you, I thought that that price is too high, uh, at least for my meager budget. In fact, it, it's entirely too high for my meager budget. It's more than half my budget. But um, now that I understand the value of it, I think it's worth it. I don't think I can afford it, but I think it's worth it. Um, and it was interesting. I was talking to one of the sales reps, uh, and uh, I don't remember his name, but he said, "Hey." Software prices are always negotiable. If you can't afford it, give us a call and we'll see if we can work something out. So yeah. I appreciated hearing that from them. Yeah. And they, you know, that's, you know, I can't speak for the sales guys in that respect. But what I can say is, you know, as if you're doing CDI computers and you're, you've got that budget to replace PCs, that 30 bucks as part of a PC replacement, it may take you five years to do it. But you don't have to do it all one fell swoop. Eventually, you'll have all all of them replaced, and and that's if you're using CDI. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me to put it on new machines coming in. Yeah, um, yeah. But I don't know that uh, you know for Sean where he works, where they have just money oozing out of their ears, they could pay write that PO and not think about it, uh, but uh, and just cover their entire district, and it would be well worth it, wouldn't you agree, Sean? Oh yeah, I could still see kind of a rolling it in process though, since you're actually going to be cutting down on the hardware. Right. So unless they wanted to expand the network, you know, as far as the availability machines, which yeah, then we'd just write one big giant check and you know yeah. instantly have you know two three times as many computers, <laughs> essentially. Well, 
Yeah, considering yeah, you, know, you can take I have, any... a, I have a funny feeling that if a school district, you know, like Appel or something like that, or Frisco or somebody uh, said, you know what, we need, we need, forget the multi-seating. Now, just, I'm, I'm going to forget that for a second, but we need to put this on all 6,000 PCs that we have. I can, I guarantee that it's not going to be 30 bucks. I, I don't know what it's going to be, but if a, if a school said we need to have that, those management capabilities, and someday we may, you know, add the hardware to turn them into multi-seats to increase our, our count, to decrease our, our student to PC ratio. But in the meantime, we just need that. We, we really need some way to deploy, to lock, to, to do classroom management. Uh, you know, I can just guarantee that it's not going to be 30 bucks. It'll be less substantially probably. Well, and in our environment, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be looking at relieving some cost in other areas. So like where we use a Microsoft system center as our management tool, uh, we could in theory, get rid of that. Right. So right. whatever that cost ends being, we're going to save, save quite a bit of it somewhere else. Right. I was at, I was working with a school district in Florida, a large school district, 100,000 PCs, and they pay about $54 per year per PC to get, uh, classroom management, you know, like vision or, or smart sync, uh, uh, deep freeze. Uh, they were using Altiris, I believe, and, uh, uh, some sort of inventory management. They were spending $5.4 million per year on that. And, you know, that, that $54 a PC per year, we're talking, you know, maybe half of that or less. No, $30, maybe 20 bucks. I'm just throwing out a number. I th think that might have been what it was. Twenty bucks a PC one time with maybe eight or nine dollars a year after that. So they were they were, you know, way, way under budget. They're like, this is too cheap. What's wrong with it? <laughs> we, have a, we have a question from the chat room and it's it's a good one that I hadn't thought of. So if I buy this uh two head or four head kit, um does it come with really long VGA cables so that I can spread spread those things out? Uh or do you know the answer to that? Yeah, you know, it, it does not come with any extra VGA cables. I've had a school that has done exactly that. They've had extra VGA and USB extension cables. Um, it's not really designed, though, for, for me to put <clears throat> one head in, in Mr. Johnson, the principal's room, and the other head in uh, Mr. Mr. Pedersen, the uh, the track coach's room down, you know, at the other end of the school. It's well, I'm designed, just talking 10 feet apart, you know, because yeah. the, the standard monitor cable was only four to six feet long. Right, right. So if you, so there, let's look at your example. I've got a, I, I've got a desktop table that's uh, say eight feet wide. That's pretty standard. I put my CPU in the center. I've got a, a, a standard CPU or a VD, VGA cable that's four to six feet. I can easily move that from, if I put my CPU in the center out to the four foot side of the table. So, so I don't need to have extra long ones if I'm putting them on a, on a, even a 10 foot long table. In a standard setup. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Now, the ones that I've seen do it have said, I'm going to put three PCs in the back of the classroom, and I'm going to put my teacher PC in the front of the classroom, right. and that's 35 feet away. So they they just they they just purchased some VGA cables and a couple USB extenders. And you, there were no uh, performance issues with that? No, no. The vi video typically... You, depending on how good of a cable you get and how much they're willing to spend on that cable, but a cheap cable, you know, you can buy a cable for 30 bucks that'll go 50 to 75 feet. The, the USB, they, they had to daisy chain USB extenders and they were a little more expensive. Might have added an extra hundred dollars to get just the USB up there. Uh, you know, so, 
So, and really that's what, remember I told you about the server-based component? That's right. really, that's really what we're designing at this point is that KVM, that keyboard uh, video and mouse extension uh, that will push it over a hundred foot or hundred meter cable. All right. I, we're bordering on mini series status, Dave. We can't keep you any okay. longer. <laughs> Uh, but okay. uh, thanks for, for being with us. And I always love talking to people who are passionate and excited. I can hear the excitement in your voice uh, as you talk about this. And so uh, with that kind of passion, I know that this is not going to be a stagnant product for sure. Uh, well, thanks a lot. It was very nice to talk to you guys. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get out of your hair. I appreciate <laughs> right, it. Dave, thanks for being with us. Okay. Thank good you, good evening. And so that was Dave Peterson, the uh, Chief Technology Officer of CDI Computers, inventor of Fiddlehead, and a couple of other products that uh, you may have heard of that he uh, invented in the past and has moved on from. Um, pretty darn impressive, don't you think? Yeah, that's uh, that's really neat. I, I, I'm kind of jealous because, Mark, you got a chance to at least see some sort of mock setup of this, right? Yes, I did. He had a, a little lab set up there with about uh, seven or eight computers. Yeah, I I love to see that. That's that's really neat. And the management console. I mean, I think uh, in our line of work, we're probably all used to working with similar things. Although you may have to go into three or four different uh, control panels to get all that functionality. <laughs> right. So I was so uh, impressed yeah. with this product. I asked him there on the on the on the spot. I said, "Would you would you please come on our podcast?" Uh, because uh, I was so impressed with this product and with his presentation of it that I knew our audience uh, would want to hear about this. Yeah, and it, it totally makes sense. Uh, and, and that's, you know, when uh, we got to talking about cost, uh, that's what kept jumping into my mind because I'm in one of those large districts. And uh, while I don't have access to the exact numbers, I know we're spending a lot uh, on, on similar products, you know, from Microsoft. And uh, prior to that, uh, we were uh, running Zenworks. And uh, so all of these things that don't come cheap at all and still don't work very well. <laughs> so, right. uh, so, yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. I'm listening to that kind of salivating, you know. Uh, you always had that little bit of skepticism, like, is it really that good? Right. But, uh, of course, you I know, saw quite honestly, I, I highly... What's that? I saw the dog and pony show. I saw the carefully con controlled environment where the things that they knew were going to work exactly right. So, you know, I, I don't have any illusions that there aren't going to be problems with it. But what I saw, the dog and pony show they set up was very impressive. The performance was native. I mean, you could not tell that you were not working on a standard uh, machine of those specs. It was very impressive. Yeah, that's been something, that's been a carrot that we've been chasing for a long time now. So that sounds really interesting. And they weren't using super high-end computer. I mean, they were using Dell refurbs that CDI sells. It wasn't like they brought in some Core i7 with 12 gigs of RAM as a ringer. They were just using the regular stuff that you can get off the shelf right now at, at uh, CDI. Yeah. Very yeah. impressive. Nice. Okay. Um, Oki Jason in the in chat room says like a GX 745. I don't know Dell models off the top of my head, but sure. <laughs> that sounds fine to me. Uh, we, uh, I'll say, uh, the 745s are what we're phasing out right now. So they, uh, I think they're single cores, aren't they, Jason? Yeah. He said it needed to be a, a dual core to, to work. So, okay. So something a little newer than that, I suppose. Right. 
which is pretty much uh, those are on the end of our life cycle at least they're right. being phased out so uh, we're going to the 755s and up at this point and they're I know they're all dual core okay well um, I don't have a tech tip for you this week because I brought you Dave Dave was my tech tip fiddlehead was my tech tip <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's a great one too <laughs> yeah you can't really uh, can't beat that uh, all right well I'll jump in here with the teacher tip then uh, teacher tip this week is uh, well, I'm calling it build a body. Let's see. Uh, I got to look back at my link here. Uh, it's brought to you by Sponge Lab Biology, and it's uh, there's I've seen similar things out there like this. It's basically just an online uh, sort of biology toy. I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, you go to this thing, and it gets you can kind of explore different parts of the body, and actually take like the internal anatomy. So you can like take the gallbladder and put it into place, and learn a bit, a little bit about what it does. And uh, you know, it's just one of those things. It's very clickable and uh, click and drag, and uh, very interactive. Uh, so uh, yeah, just another one of those uh, online anatomy models. I, I think this one might be the one of the best I've seen though. Flash base, so sorry, iPad users. <laughs> Just yeah, 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 yeah. Right, exactly. If you uh, love those Apple products, then here's yet another thing that uh, you know. But hey, Flash is dying, or Flash is dead, <laughs> right? Isn't that? Yeah. Oh, anyway. speaking of Apple products, Sean, I have to play for you my new ringtone on my phone. Okay. Uh, I. Some people are listening and thinking, really? You're going to be talking about a ringtone? Trust me, this is worth it. So uh, you could you do the uh, contact information bit while I'm loading this up. Okay, so uh, we have many ways that you can contact us here, but uh, the primary way, the best way, is to go to our website, elementsopi.com. Uh, there you'll find forums and uh, many interesting ways to, uh, other ways that you can contact us and also interact with other listeners of our many shows. You can also find our other uh, podcast offerings there. Uh, you can find us at uh, Twitter, at elementopie slash tightwad tech uh you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash element opie and uh if you are so inclined you can call and leave us a message five five nine i am opie uh give us a call there uh, leave us your questions comments uh, ideas show ideas um and we will uh, be sure to work it into the show somehow so uh, uh yeah many many ways you can get in contact with, with us here at the uh, Tightwad Tech and uh, Element OP. Yeah, and uh, uh, Sean sounded like he went a little uh, slow of speech there, but uh, uh, it's that darn AT and T tethering he's got going on. But here is my right. my new ringtone that Sean. Anytime you call me, now gets played. Here we go. Oh no! I have to say, I am uh, rather impressed with my uh, MacBook Pro. I, I do enjoy <laughs> it. Wait, wait. You started laughing. I'm not sure everybody heard it. Let me play that again to make sure they get it. I have to say I am uh, rather impressed with my uh, MacBook Pro. I, I do enjoy it. <laughs> the, Sean uh, did a sub uh, subbed in as a host of the Taiwan Teacher Podcast, and, and there he declared his uh, closet love for all things Apple. And uh, I made sure to uh, grab that thing there, and I will be selling that ringtone for three ninety nine for anybody else out there who might like to have it. Oh, you might just get rich off of that one. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I, I knew I was going to regret it. The, like the instant those words were coming out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I figured either you or John or somebody was not going to let me off the hook on that one. Uh, but no, I'll stand behind those words. I'm, I'm having fun with my Mac, but uh, it, it's still far from my primary machine. And, uh, you know, I, I, it makes me feel old, quite honestly. I, I feel like the like my parents you know fumbling around on the computer it's it's a feeling i haven't had in a long time um and uh like i told those guys of course you know it's all in the editing but <laughs> uh that uh is still just a computer to me you know i mean it's a it's a good computer i'll say that you know it's great hardware like we've always said they're great hardware but uh yeah it's still just a computer to me and i i have a couple of options available to me and it's it's never my first one <laughs> so but i do like it all right so uh <laughs> with that <laughs> sean what kind of show was this oh this is a great show i agree i think this really was a great show maybe the first great show we've actually had in a while <laughs> so uh, with that, I will say simply that this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off.